Hello and welcome to Talking La Liga. I'm Simon Harrison and as ever I am joined by David Cartledge. Hello. And well, Spain have won the Under-21 European Championship. Uh, we're recording this on the Monday, the day after. Uh, we went to the last edition of the tournament in 2017 in Poland and we were there in the final as Germany. Unfortunately, managed to defeat that side under Albert Celadez. We had some of those players that we enjoyed watching ourselves in person carry all the way through into this tournament. And it was set up to be the exact same two finalists. You know, it was kind of expected from the start that it would be Spain and Germany who were probably the two stronger sides in this one in Italy. And it proved to be the case. But, I mean, after the heartbreak of last time, um, a few changes, obviously, Luis de la Frente in charge instead of Celades. I mean, mm. it, it is just something that was... It needed to happen for Spain, didn't it? Because, I mean, they've had the track record of winning it multiple times in the recent past and you ne really need to, you know, make make a statement while you've got a group of players as talented as this. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one failure was enough, you know. You can't do it again with this good generation. There's a lot expected of them. They are essentially the next golden generation. At the moment, it feels very much like a silver generation because a few of them still need to develop and grow up. But this was a good step. I think the most important thing is that the winning mentality, that feeling of, of winning and where it means, is back. Um, Spanish football at youth level has just dropped off ever so slightly, just as the full side has as well. They forgot where it's like to win. Uh, the old golden generation, you know, they, they found that winning streak and then, you know, they stuck with it. They didn't like to lose after that and it fed down to the other ranks as well. And that's why you had a great generation with Thiago, Isco, uh, Koke, uh, people like that, you know. Um, who won at under-21 level. And then there have been a few barren years. So, yeah, I think there was a lot of pressure on this group, actually, particularly the players who were there from that, from that loss um, when when they were in Poland. So, you, you know, we, we're talking guys like Ceballos, uh, Vallejo. Um, there, there was a little bit more pressure on, on, on them. And also, it's just as a little footnote, it also means that them going as far as they have in this tournament, they'll also be going to the Olympics in Tokyo. So that'll be mm -hmm. something else that maybe they can, you know, aspire to be winning more games for players, more chance for people to impress and keep getting minutes if they're not getting them at their parent clubs at the top level. Um, but I suppose we'll, we'll start off in broad terms in the group stage. Um, just to give a bit of context, the opening um, starting eleven against Italy, of course, which was a defeat for Spain. Um, Unai Simón started in goal. Martín Vallejo, Jorge Mere and Aaron Martín as a back four. Zabeldia, Fabian, Ceballos in midfield, Carlos Soler, Borja Mayoral and Mikel Ayazabal in attack and really I think going into this tournament I think we both sort of agreed that you know seeing that side yeah it's it's just not the best side based on the group of players that they had to begin with and, and that really no. did prove to be the case didn't it because Italy admitted that you know that they'd seen that Ceballos was the key to making this Spain side tick so they were very very physical they closed him down they populated the middle of the field they squeezed everything they were if anything they got away with being maybe a bit overly physical mm. um, and it just sort of all the issues that we thought that they might have in terms of, you know, what are they going to have enough punch at left back? Is that, you know, is Unai Simon going to be the keeper moving forward? Have we got the right balance in midfield? Is Borja Mayoral and do Spain have a number nine in general to actually score goals at this level? And I mean, I think that defeat, obviously, it was poor from a momentum point of view, but also it kind of just outlined that De La Fuente maybe didn't understand this group of players as well as he thought he might have before this tournament started. No, absolutely. I think it's sometimes that happens, you know. Um, you know, he's gone through qualifying with them, and and they were they were impressive. 
um, pretty much. Uh, there was that shock defeat I remember against Northern Ireland. Uh, that was that was a bit of a strange one. Um, and then narrow wins like against Estonia, Iceland. So it was never completely, you know, like we weren't completely sure about them. And I had my doubts. And then when the Italy defeat came and there was the narrow performance against Belgium, I was a little bit. Mm, but they turned it up against Poland, I think, and and that's when things began to click. You look at that, you look at the team that faced Poland. You know, it was pretty much the team that then went on to, you know, to form the winning group. You know, Mark Rocker came in, for instance. Um, you know, Danny Olmo, and then you had, uh, I think, one of the key changes. I mean, he was already in the side, but he was being used as a wide player. But I think Miguel Oyathabal being used as a false nine really helped things as well. Um, so tweaks like that and then the momentum built up and I think after that Poland, the, the way they dismantled Poland, they were, the, the confidence was there and they were like, all right, this is the way we should be playing. And then I think the game against France was just an absolute masterclass. It's honestly one of the best midfield performances I've seen by a Spanish side in, in years at, at any level. I mean, when, when you look at those names, when you look at Fabian, Mark Rocket, and Danny Ceballos, and that that could easily be a midfield three that could play for the Spain senior side and play well for them. Easily, um, easily. I, I, mean, I, mean, that, I mean, would you say kind of going into this tournament, obviously you'd look at the fact that um, kind of the, the star striker, the top scorer in qualifying being Borja Mayoral, not mm-hmm. really had any continuity at club level. I would say maybe if he hadn't been playing for Real Madrid for the amount of time that he has, he wouldn't have that same hype around him. I don't think, um, you know. And then also you've got in midfield, you've got all these quality options. So many that De La Fuente took until like the third game of the tournament to figure out what balance he needed from all these quality options. It is sort of just a, a demonstration of the issue I think that we do have with Spanish football. It's, it's been a well youth, youth football rather. It's been the case for a couple of years now. They're not really producing enough number nines. They're not really producing players on the surface of it at this sort of age group um, that are sort of natural goal scorers and walk their way into the team off the back of the fact that they know where the back of the net is. And instead, we've got so many midfielders. It, it, it is crazy just to see, like, even some of the players who didn't make it to this tournament. You've got the likes of Carlos Alenia, who I'm sure would walk into a lot of the teams that were at that tournament. Um, it, it is just a bit of a. It, it does demonstrate that you know, in terms of squad, um, in terms of if, when you look across the age group and the talent pool that's available, mm. there is that kind of issue, isn't there? It, it's almost as if this in this tournament, um, they got. I think they basically won the tournament on midfield quality alone. They could control the games. Um, they could dictate the tempo. They could create at will. And they got certain players in one on ones like Sabias who can just unlock doors. Um, but at the same time, it was almost how are we going to be creative and make up for the fact that we just don't seem to have any decent strikers. I mean, going into this tournament, having Borja Mayoral and Rafa Mir as the front two, I mean, for for a, uh, a country like Spain that's been you know winning things at youth level, that that is a pretty desperate front two, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was poor. It was the thing where it was my main concern going in. I think a few people brought up the centre backs, but that didn't really concern me. I thought they would eventually find their form. I thought there were there was some quality players at centre back. They just needed to find their form and click. It, with the strikers, I just didn't rate any of them. So that so that was a problem. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Even I, I don't know. I don't really see them clicking because I don't think they're really capable of it. And it eventually proved true that they're, they're just completely underwhelming players. And the you know I think. They've not really had any part to play in this, apart from getting a few tap-ins when the games were already over, um, in Mayoral's case, for instance. Um, 
So yeah, it, w- it would have to come from the midfield, and unfortunately, the midfield stepped up in such a huge, huge manner. Um, they they not only dominated possession just purely from a numerical standpoint in terms of controlling games, but they also created as well. And you look at you, you got a player like Sabayas who who does take a lot of risks with his you know I think he completed the most dribbles in the tournament, and that's his centre midfielder. Um, you know he's always going to do that. He likes to pull people away. He likes to pull players away, and I think that's what makes him different as a centre midfielder. A lot of midfielders just like to sit and and, and knit together. Look, Sabayas can do that, but he can also run and drive as well, and he can spin. And you know, I think that's what's really really special about him. This kind of Xavi and Iniesta hybrid almost. He can do both things that they used to do in 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 one little package. Um, and I think the way he played was key in that sense in terms of creation. And then I think Oyathabal's role as as the false nine, I guess we have to really touch on because, you know, we are talking about strikers here and he did play that role and he was fantastic. And and, and to my knowledge, he, he hasn't played that role at Real Sociedad. I was looking at somebody else's timeline for Real, Real Sociedad and they said it's strange that he wasn't used more like that potentially by Eusebio. Um, and I thought he was fantastic in it, it, with and without the ball. He always seemed to to know what he was doing and, and how to cause problems for the opponent. And also, he received a lot of balls into feet. He was comfortable with his back to goal. I think it's just having that footballing IQ because I think at times with Meyer Allen aside, um, yes, he's willing to to work for the team, um, and yes, he's willing to be involved in interplay. But it just didn't quite feel like enough. It didn't feel dynamic enough. Maybe he was a little bit static. Yeah. I mean, when you've got someone like Ayazabal, it is just the fact that they're so clever and so versatile that you know they can sort of do anything in terms of if you're marking a player like Ayazabal, you know that he can go to feet. He can do things simple. He can mm-hmm. get in behind you. He can beat you, you know, one on one. And I think in having just Ayazabal nipping around everywhere, dropping into pockets of space, making nuisance of himself, also providing a focal point. Then you've also got, you know, Pablo Fornals having a reasonably free role as well, ended up yeah. being used out on the left-hand side. And then obviously another player who I think out of the entire group we were the most unfamiliar with coming into this tournament, given that he plays his club football in Croatia, was Danny Olmo. And, and he also was one of those players where he came in for the second game against Belgium, did well. Mm-hmm. And then just held his own throughout the rest of the tournament. And really, I mean, obviously players like Carlos Soler, they're good, but almost come in and people maybe weren't expecting it. But he's had, you know, a phenomenal tournament to the point where if he stays in Croatia beyond this summer, I would be astounded if that would be the case. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's the one. You look at that squad, you know, who could, who could be prized away. You know, West Ham have already taken Fornals. And then, yeah, honestly, you, you you look at that and think, my God, somebody's just got to take a risk on Almo for twenty twenty five million. I'd be I'd be willing to do it. There's just such a great tenacity about his game, and and, and he's so lively, and he's, he just never seems far out of a game. He's always able to come in at any moment, and I think that was really impressive about him. Um, and and all these players, there was such a great desire, I think, from all of them to be on the ball. Nobody was really hiding. Um, in the in the later games, everybody was wanting to turn. Everybody was wanting to influence, and and that's such a great great attitude to have running through your squad. I mean, just how good is Mark Rocker at this point? Because I I think that I just keep seeing him being thrown into different situations, um, thrown at different levels. Obviously, he's had a really really good season with Espanyol, and he just seems to just keep no matter what situation he's in, he just looks casual, composed. Mm-hmm. Everything looks very easy for him. It all looks extremely natural. 
I, I literally cannot think of a game that I've seen him play in where he's had a bad game. I mean, he might no, have been no. a bit anonymous in some games, but he's never stood out as being a, an underachieving kind of player. Everything he does is so important for Espanyol's system. And it was as soon as he came into this under-21 midfield, it just balanced everything out, everything out nicely. He could sit in, he could receive the ball with his back to, to goal and turn and, and make things happen and help them transition out. But equally, he was happy to you know, stick a foot in and, and read the game and be in the right place at the right time in the final against Germany, where when Germany wanted to counter, Rocker would be there or he would end up be filling in for a fullback or filling in for a yeah. centre-back. And it was just, he was everywhere at once. He was playing key passes in key moves. And it just looks as though, you know, we've seen Marcos Llorente move for big money this summer. We've seen Rodri on his way to move for big money this summer. And Mark Rocker, he's got to be the next, hasn't he? He's um he's been the revelation, I think, of this tournament. I remember a few years ago, um, Thiago and Isco were, were really getting all the plaudits and, and being linked with moves and, and everybody was just eulogising over them. And throughout that whole tournament with Spain won, there was one constant and one underrated player, and that was the Adam Endy. And he was phenomenal. He was absolutely brilliant. He held everything together. And I've just seen Mark Rocca do exactly the same here. And it's remarkable the the similarities in terms of the role that they played and and how they linked everything together, and most importantly, allowed others with a more creative mindset, more you know profoundness in the final third, to play their football, to do their thing. And Mark Rock has done exactly that. He has just sat at the base of that midfield, he's picked the ball off the defence, and he's just fed it through to Ceballos in the right channels. He's been in there to break up play as well, and. He's been fantastic. He's he's linked it all together. I think that this win doesn't happen without Mark Rocker, um, and, and that's that's the biggest praise I can, I can I can bestow upon him. I think after this tournament, yeah, he really has been astonishingly good. And you know, you, you've got to look. I mean, Atleti's already replaced Rodri with Marcos Urente, but you know, if if they'd gone for Mark Rocker, then nobody would have really batted an eyelid. And I'd be really surprised. I mean, he's going to probably get one more year. At Espanol, by the looks of things, but I mean, it just amazes me that potentially like big clubs can, you know, that that they would overlook him. I mean, are you telling me there's a better midfielder right now than him? And you know, like in terms of what the job that he does, that than at clubs like Arsenal, at, at Man United, um, at Spurs, you know, I I don't know, I don't think there really is, and I think he could walk into some of those teams, especially at Spurs, um, for instance, and, and and do some real work. I think equally as well, I think if, if Rodri's move to City never happened and they were to pick up Mark Rocker instead, I think that he would be able to do that exact same sort of role as well. Maybe Bayern will think about that. You know, Maybe Bayern are watching this tournament and thinking, all right, we can potentially save ourselves 40 million or so um, here and get Mark Rocker and not really be getting a sloppy seconds or getting second best. You're getting another really stellar Spanish midfielder who has all those qualities that has become associated, you know, we have become associated with, um, you, you know, Spanish midfielders over the last decade or so. You know, small, technical, agile, extremely intelligent, very sharp in terms of decision making, um, and 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 that's what you'd get with Mark Rocker. I mean, what we're kind of going to a mild tangent here. You have mentioned this before, the the fact that maybe people in, coming into this tournament thought that centre back would be an issue, and I think yeah. the one player that's kind of interesting to talk about is is one that maybe we haven't had all too much chance to talk about when the season's been ongoing because of just injury problems, and that is Jesus Vallejo. I mean, yeah, um, obviously 
coming in for Real Zaragoza, a huge club, um, lots of pressure and expectation there, captaining them and then earning himself a move to Real Madrid. And since then, obviously, he had that loan in Germany where he did okay. Um, but the injuries from during that loan and onwards have just been hindering him. But he has managed to piece together, you know, a run of games in this tournament. Mm. And to be honest, I was kind of expecting a little bit more from him. I mean, in the final, yes, in the final, when things got a little bit tough and and they were sat in deeper and Germany were seeing more of the ball and making more happen, I think he looked a lot more comfortable when he's in his own box, when he is just defending backs to the wall, putting blocks in. Um, getting there, you know, organising things. When they were playing a little bit higher and looking to press higher at the pitch, it kind of just felt as though he was always a liability and he could easily have even been sent off in that final. Yeah, I think so. It was a reckless challenge. And, you know, even then, you look earlier in the tournament, there was a few errors from him. And I think it took Unai Nunez to, to come in and just, I don't know, just apply a bit of like, I think they needed that stopper centre-back, you know. And I know Unai Nunez, says, Unai Nunez is, is very... You know, he's fine, he's comfortable with the ball, but he's also got a bit of toughness about him, I think, and the way he plays. And I think it was important that he came into that back line and was just a bit more no-nonsense. And he just knew what to do in that sense, I think, in terms of his positioning, just keeping the line straight, remaining organised, making sure everybody just knew their duty. Um, so I think it was really important that, that, that he was there. And it's impressive from Nunez because he's broke up that Vallejo-Merrier partnership, which has been there since, you know, very, very early in Spanish youth categories. Those two are really, really great friends, and but they were broken up kind of by Nunez here, and, and rightly so as well. And again, another important figure. I mean, what do you think the situation is for Vallejo now? Because obviously, uh, Real Madrid bringing in Eder Militao, um, they've renewed Nacho's deal as well, yeah. extending that a little bit. It doesn't seem as though he's going to get any minutes next season, and obviously, Zidane holds a lot of loyalty to players that have been important for him in the past. So, I mean, He's surely got, out, got to go out and learn, hasn't he? Because he's shown here that he's a little bit rusty, he's a little bit rash. He isn't ready, I wouldn't say, you know, to, to go and play um, any of the games for Real Madrid that are important. I mean, maybe if there's a game that they rotate heavily for, maybe in the Copa del Rey, get some minutes there. But it really does feel like it would hamper his development if he doesn't go out on loan. But, you know, we, we've seen them... Um, force you know the likes of Fede Valverde or Marcus Llorente to, to stagnate that little bit and it would be a shame to see someone who is a captain at such a young age sort of be forced down that same path I think yeah absolutely I think he's got it's a big sum for him he's definitely going to move away he's definitely going to you know, it's just a case of what type of deal is it going to be is he just going to go out and, and uh, you know with a buyback or whether it's going to be loan I think it's going to be a loan because I think people want to assess him, see if he is over the injuries, see if he can put together a stable season. I think he'll get a move to Primera. You know, he might not necessarily be a starting centre back, but he'll be a, a third choice centre back sort of thing. So he could get like still get 25, 30 games in a season, which isn't too bad and potentially where he needs. It's just a case of getting the right club. And as I think you've rightly pointed out, um, he needs to be in a specific system to succeed. So it has to be very careful. He honestly he has to really pick his. He's moved well um, and he, he never knows, you know, in terms of when a new centre-back is going to emerge and, and maybe take him over. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a big summer for him. It's a big summer for a lot of these uh, kids, especially the Real Madrid guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, moving on to that, I was going to mention next, I mean, Dan, Danny Ceballos, uh, the tournament we went to in 2017, obviously player of the tournament there. If Fabian, who won that edition of, well, that, that award in this edition of the tournament, wasn't around then, he would have been, been in with a decent chance of winning it two times in a row. Mm. Um, 
I mean, he just is a special player, isn't he, Dennis Abias? Um, it's, it's kind of baffling how he's being linked with a move away from Real Madrid this summer, I think, because I, I really did think that after his great performance in 2017, that it would just naturally follow that he would become more important for Real Madrid, even you know as high as the expectations are, as high as the pressure is. Um, I just thought that was the natural progression for him because he's ambitious, he's hungry, he's talented, he's got everything that he needs, but it just hasn't quite happened. And somehow, after him going to the same kind of tournament, dominating against his peers once again, we're in this situation again where, for some reason, Real Madrid are being linked with going for the likes of Christian Eriksen, Pogba, all these different names... And he's being linked with, you know, some. Obviously, I'm going to take everything with a pinch of salt and not believe it. But you know, he's being linked with loan moves to Milan and and things of this nature. Um, it would be criminal, wouldn't you say, if if Real Madrid are not utilising him at all next season? He needs to go out on loan if that isn't going to happen. Obviously, and he said it himself on the radio. But I I just can't get my head around how he hasn't been given a chance by Zidane to just play week in week out for a few months and see what level he can hit. He's just not a plug-and-play player. I don't think they can bring him in just cold every now and then. He needs continuity. He needs to get the feel of a team. He needs to get a feel. He's a very passionate, emotional player. And he needs to be in a team that he, you know, he feels central to. It's like he said, he's played 45, 50 games, I think, over two years. It's simply not enough. It's, it's, it's embarrassing for what I think a player... Look, everyone knows how highly I rate him. I think he's phenomenal. I think he can potentially be in top three midfielders in the world and I say that without a moment's hesitation I truly believe that but you know he's played that over two years he needs to be playing 50 games next season he needs to be playing 45 50 games next season in one year he needs that um because he's fell behind that much look he's talented and he's got so much ability but he needs to be playing games to learn to to get out the mistakes in his game to get out the doubts there's obviously doubts in his game from Zidane they aren't going to go they are always going to remain unless he plays regularly. Um, whether he does that at Real Madrid, which I don't think is a possibility. I just don't see it happening. I don't think there's a. I think this project is kind of on ice at the moment in terms of looking after young talent. I think they've moved. They've shift. They're shifting another way away from the young Spanish talent who they feel has let them down. They're all gradually going to go. Llorente is gone. Uh, Theo is going. Um, Ceballos will end up going as well Asensio's future is not that clear Isco there's even question marks over so the Spanish sort of group from the young players to the older ones like Isco there's doubts over them all because of what, what Wilder Dan is there so you question you what, what it wants to do and it's the only thing I disagree with with Danny Ceballos I I, I, I I admire his desire to succeed at Real Madrid but I just don't think it's the be all and end all in football um, I think a lot of young kids have got to get out their heads, heads that Barcelona and Real Madrid aren't the be all and end all there are other things to do in in life, in your career. In, there are other clubs out there. You can make a success of it elsewhere. Look at Fabian Ruiz. He's gone to Napoli. He's improved tenfold as a footballer. Um, he's ahead of Ceballos now, probably in his development. Even though I think Ceballos is a more talented player, Ruiz is probably a little more advanced. And, and, and that's because he picked a great career move. He had a full season at Betis where he led that club. He's gone to Napoli. There was an initial stage of slow adaptation, and now he's a regular. And Ancelotti loves him as a footballer. Um, I was speaking to an Italian football journalist who speaks with Ancelotti regularly, and he's enamoured with Fabian. Ceballos needs a manager similar to that. They want a, he needs a manager who talks about Danny Ceballos all the time, who says, you know, first name on the team sheet, to, to go to an old cliche. He really, really needs that now, Ceballos, and there's no question marks about it. If he has to Real Madrid for good, leave Real Madrid for good, so be it. If he has to come back in two years, 
okay if that's really what he must do. But either way, he needs to be playing 45 to 50 games next season. I mean, it was nice to see after the final, Ancelotti actually dropping a tweet out saying how proud he was of Fabian, obviously, mm-hmm. not only winning the tournament, but winning the player of the tournament yeah. as well. I he, mean, loves, he loves him. A manager needs to be doing that with Ceballos next In a year's time, a manager needs to be doing that uh, for Ceballos next year. 100%. He needs that love. He needs that arm around. He, honestly, he's just that type of player. He's emotionally connected in, to the game in that sense. He wants a bit of love. He wants to feel central to everything. I mean, just how good is Fabian, would you say? Because, I mean, he's come in essentially. Um, it's always interesting to see the really talented players who come and play at these tournaments because, obviously, some nations are sending you know all their best talents. Some of them have been fast-tracked into the senior side, so you know it's maybe not got quite as much quality but he, he's walked into you know a tournament of his peers you know you've got all these big names um you've got players well in, in the final for example you know you're playing against the likes of the Huda Miri players that have been hyped up in in the Bundesliga against yeah. France you know playing against like so Guendouzi who made such I, I think he really impressed at Arsenal last season despite coming in as a relative unknown and then in the performances in both the semi-final and the final, Spain's midfield made things look so easy. And they looked as though they were men playing against boys, more or less, that mm-hmm. it does make you wonder, I mean, like, what is the limit for some of these players? Because I could quite easily see Ceballos, Fabian and Marco Rocca all going and playing at the very, very top of the game, to be honest with you. And it is one of those where, um, with Fabian, he just played with such composure, such authority... And, it, I mean, you're right, it, it does just come from playing week in, week out and being trusted by a top team because he yeah, can come into situations like this and it's it's a step down, it's nothing. He can just dominate, he can believe in his ability, he feels too good to be playing against some of these teams probably. Yeah. And, and and this is the kind of thing where how when, when the whole group is so talented, how we do have a few players that aren't key for their, you know, for their first teams back at domestic level. It is insane mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, if there's some, a generation in Spain to be getting on, it is this one at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Look, this is the important thing. I think, you know, Fabian's been around this squad now and, you, you know, and yeah, some people might have thought, oh, he's a little bit more advanced than, than the other players. And, uh, you know, you make a good point in that sense. Um, but, I think it's been a learning experience for him. It's another notch for him. You know, there was all the players as well for Spain when they've won the under-21s before. The people were kind of like, oh, what they're doing there. It's a finishing school. Now that's it. That's done with Fabian. And he leads a winner. What a note. Can you go out on a better note than that? No. He's had a full season at Napoli. He's learned a hell of a lot. Probably more than he's learned in a few years, you know, in, in, in one sole year, which is incredible. And, and it's going to mature him as a player. That was the main thing I got from this tournament with Fabian. He was more mature. He was more controlled. He had more authority about him. He looked more confident. He had a bit of a, you know, just a, a different demeanour about him than what he had at Real Betis. And he was phenomenal at Real Betis, but he just looks a different player now, more ready to, you know, stand alongside the top midfielders in, in Europe. He doesn't look as juvenile. And, and that's phenomenal. And Ceballos is still, you can see the rawness in Ceballos's game still. And look, he's had a great tournament. But you can clearly see the difference in you know playing regularly at a very very top level. I think it's there, and and yeah yeah. So it's it's important. I think he just needs to look at his friend Fabian. You know, it's funny. I've I've seen Fabian linked with a move to Real Madrid. No, why? It, that would be a backwards move. It, it genuinely would. Yes, Real Madrid's a bigger club, but that doesn't mean you know it's not a backwards move. It would be, and he doesn't want to go there. He shouldn't be going there. Um, you know, and and Ceballos should be looking to get out of there. All those young players should be looking to get out. Because right now the door is completely shut. 
I'd tell every single one of them, get out of that club right now. I mean, just to think a little bit further ahead, they've won this tournament. As you say, it's good for them to get that mentality, get that habit of winning. I mean, it was good to see on social mm. media all the likes of Fabian Ceballos, um, Vallejo, um, Severa, wh- whoever it may be, Martin, all posing with the trophy, all, all knowing what it feels like to be you know, one big group. And we've seen that there's been a shift at senior level with Luis Enrique having to unfortunately step down. Robert Moreno now being in charge, who, you know, he has worked his way up through the ranks to get to where he is. And that would suggest that, you know, he's going to be willing to allow players to do the same thing, who maybe, you know, that they're not in everyone's thoughts now, but they might be in the future. Out of this sort of group of players, who do you expect to be going on and making waves in the senior team? Because obviously we've seen Fabian do it. We've seen mm. Ayazabal do it. We've uh, seen Ceballos do well when given some opportunities. Um, who, who do you think are we going to be talking about a lot more over the next few years? Not with the under-21s, but actually going forward to you know European championships at senior level or World Cups? Um, I think Junior um, from full-back is a great shout because... You know, Jordi Alba, you know, we had a phenomenal season, don't get me wrong, and he's still as strong as ever, but he's just got that about him. He's a different profile of fullback that Spain doesn't have, and you can see some of the runs he was making. He's just destroying teams, and, and Spain simply don't have that in another player. He's, he's incredible in that sense. Um, so I think Junior is definitely one. I think Mark, I think Mark Rock is probably going to come in once Busquets slows down, and then you've got Rocker and Rodri to fight for that base position in midfield. Fabian, as we've discussed, again, a different type of midfield profile. Ceballos um, has a big role to play. I think Luis Enrique stressed how important he would be um, if you play a certain style. I think uh, you know. I think that's going to stay. Oyathabal as well is going to be key. And then other guys. I think you know. I think they're just going to try and surprise and, and get in there. So guys like Fornals, Olmo, they're going to be looking at that. The centre backs as well. Centre backs position. What's open there? And Nunez. You know, one more strong yet. Athletic Bilbao, and then we could be talking about him in a in a different manner as well. So yeah, there's a, honestly you can see seven, eight of these players potentially just filling out that senior squad. So we've talked through everything from Spain's under twenty one European Championship win about some of the biggest talents, some of the biggest changes during the tournament from their coach Luis de la Fuente. Um, where some of the talents will be going in the future, whether it be at club level, whether it be with the national team under Robert Moreno. And over the next few weeks, you know, building up to the new season, um, we're going to be talking through a lot of stuff to do with younger players. We'll be talking through a lot of things to do with signings that have been made because, frankly, this is the most interesting part of the season. We've already seen a lot of deals done that we enjoy. We've also seen a lot of rumours that we would like to turn into a reality. So make sure that over the course of the summer that you are following us on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, make sure that you're following on SoundCloud and basically keep an eye out for us posting podcasts. We'll talk about some of the new signings and the new changes in terms of managers heading into the new season because obviously everyone wants to know everything they can before La Liga gets back underway. So make sure you're following us on all social media channels and we will speak to you again on one of these soon.